So we're continuing uh, in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 15, verse 21 to 28. I'll just give you a minute to find that in your Bibles. So Matthew 15, 21 to 28. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Well, well, I think um, people will have a version of Jesus when they think about him. And maybe when it comes to Jesus, the most common stereotype, the most common version of Jesus is the meek and mild Jesus. You know, the Jesus who loves wandering through the fields and wouldn't hurt a fly and friend to little lambs. Um, Now, if that's a view, well, people might say sort of against that, well, you know, actually, you know, I want you to realize that there's also an angry Jesus, you know, who threw over the temples and drove out all those people in the temple who were turning it into a money-grabbing shopping center. You know, Jesus with righteous anger. But my guess is we don't often think about rude Jesus, insensitive Jesus, because that's what we have in today's passage. Well, that's what we think uh, we have. So I'm really looking forward to getting into this with you uh, this morning. It's rich and layered in meaning. It is intriguing. Uh, For one, we've got master teacher Jesus, but in this moment, this woman sort of takes him to school and Jesus is okay with that isn't that amazing but these surprising shocking words from Jesus and and I'm talking about you know him comparing this woman to dogs and in fact I I don't want to diminish the shock value of that it is shocking Now, some people might say this rude Jesus is sexist Jesus and this is racist Jesus who's who's not very sensitive to this poor woman. But the challenge I'll give you right now is that you and I are the ones who aren't sensitive to what's going on. And if you want to arc up against rude Jesus, how dare he say things about this woman? Well, I'll say this. Let this woman herself... Be our guide in this. Uh, Because she doesn't arc up. She's not complaining. How dare you, Jesus? Uh, No, in desperation, she's over the moon to have Jesus. And that tells us so much, which we're going to get into today. Now, I hope you've got your Bibles open. Let's have a look at it. Let's sort of work our way through this. Uh, In verse 21, we're told where all this take place. So uh, let's turn there. Let's read those, that verse again. It says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. So Jesus is leaving. 
we're told Jesus is withdrawing. Now, withdrawing is an interesting word. I don't know if you've ever seen those sort of English period dramas, you know, where they're sort of in some grand house and the women withdraw after dinner to the drawing room while the men do manly things like uh, drink port and smoke cigars. Um, They withdraw. Well, Jesus is withdrawing to take him away also from a situation. See, he's been doing his ministry amongst the people of Israel. Not everyone's a fan, uh, particularly the religious leaders. We saw this last week, in fact. Jesus called them out and said, you hypocrites. Uh, Jesus is not a people pleaser. Jesus is not scared of conflict. Uh, The leaders want him dead. At the same time, Jesus knows there's a season for everything. For now, he's withdrawing. He's withdrawing from these situations of uh, manipulation and opposition and rejection. He goes to a completely different place. It's not Israel. It's the coastal cities of Tyre and Sidon. Now, this is not Jewish territory. This is non-Jewish territory. It's Gentile territory. Uh, Jesus has left and withdrawn to a place where I think maybe he could get a bit of rest. Uh, But then Jesus is not going to get rest, is he? Because uh, verse 22, we're we're into the action. Have a look there again. Verse 22, it says, A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Yes, there is all this unusual demon-possession stuff, but this is a normal mum. This is a mum who sees the chance for her daughter to be made well. And she's going to do everything she can. Uh, When it says there in verse 22, crying out, it actually has the sense of a continual thing. She keeps crying out. She's just going to keep banging on this door. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. She's like any mum. I think one of the superpowers that mums have is living on sleep deprivation. You know, because for a mum, you know, her own well-being and uh, comfort isn't as important anymore. And here was this mum who's summoning up all the strength she has. She doesn't care what anyone thinks. She only has eyes for this cure for her daughter. She only has eyes for Jesus. She keeps on crying out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. And as the disciples, we, we, we get a little worked up, don't we, over what Jesus will say in a second. But, but notice the disciples. Have a look there at verse 23. Uh, it says, Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. Okay, we know Jesus has this interesting way of interacting in this moment. He starts off being silent in the face of this woman's cries, but he's, he's not like his disciples. They've had enough of this woman's cries. They're over it. They're annoyed. They want her out of there. If they had noise-cancelling headphones, I reckon they would be using them right now. But Jesus has never been annoyed by someone's need. 
Jesus has never shut someone out in the face of their desire for mercy. Uh, Jesus purposely withdrew to Gentile cities, Tyreside, but he is not, he is not sending her away. Now, isn't that interesting? Uh, Jesus will go on to say some things to this woman, but Jesus' message is just as much for these short-fused, uncompassionate disciples so they might learn a a thing or two themselves. Now, at this point, I want to interrupt the flow of just working through the verses. And now we're just going to dig deep now. And I just want us to go to the end. We're going to work through this interaction between Jesus and this woman. But I want you to go to the end. Just see where it ends up. We would have noticed it when we read it. But what does Jesus say? Verse 28, it says there, Then Jesus said to her, Women, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Um, But see, for this woman, Jesus declares she has great faith. Uh, Literally, the original Greek is, it's the word, that we, have, that we get in English, the word mega. She had mega faith. You know, you might want to take, you know, a mega dose of mega vitamins before you head down to the mega camping store. You know, this woman has mega faith. Uh, Jesus, who starts out silent, ends up saying about this woman, and it's for this, his first disciples too, and it's for us too. This is mega faith. Great faith. So what makes it such impressive faith? Well, there's three things as we uh, work our way back through what's going on here. Here's the first thing. Her faith is about accepting that Jesus has authority. Uh, Firstly, her faith is about accepting Jesus has authority. Have a look at verse 22. Uh, Jesus, uh, she says of Jesus, uh, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. And if you, would go, if you wanted to, you could go back to the very first page of Matthew, to the very first verse of Matthew, the very first sentence of Matthew, and you could see, actually, that that's precisely what Matthew is keen for us to know. That's how he introduces the whole gospel, Jesus, the son of David. And this woman knows that. We don't know how she knows that, but she does. And son of David is not just this sort of, simply this sort of ancestry.com thing, you know, like for me, I'm the son of Graham, the son of George. Uh, The son of David comes from Jesus' greatest king, uh, thousands of years before Jesus, David. And David was promised by God to have a descendant on the throne who would rule forever. You can check it out sometime, 2 Samuel chapter 7. And since that promise, well, things haven't gone so well for Israel They've been exiled, they've been conquered. So every generation in Israel has been playing this waiting game, waiting for the son of David, this promised king, this promised ruler, this promised Messiah who'd bring restoration and rule. And in Jesus, this woman knows that he's the one Lord, son of David. And on the basis of accepting Jesus' authority, she wants his mercy. This is helpful for us. Actual faith is not vague. Actual faith is not a personal preference. It's not, you know, I believe in Jesus like I believe in democracy. I believe in world peace. 
Christianity is not, I'm a Jesus person because, well, at least I know I'm not a Muslim and I'm not a Hindu and I go to church, so I guess so. You know, there needs to be a point where we cross over where you know Jesus. He's your king. He's your ruler. In fact, he's the, you know he's the king. He didn't act like a king because he went to the cross for you. But, but on the basis of what you know and accept of Jesus, you also want his mercy. This great faith, this faith is I know who Jesus is and on that basis of what I know, I want Jesus. And I, and I ask you, even those who've been around church for a while, are you in favour of Jesus? Or because you know him as the one who has authority, that you have faith, you really, really want Jesus. Her great faith is about accepting Jesus' authority. Here's the next thing. If you're a Christian, this woman's faith shows us that to have faith is to realise you were once God's enemy. And I'm talking about the fact that almost all the Christians here in this room making a big assumption, but it's probably a fair assumption, all the Christians here, like her, are not Jews, but Gentiles. Now that means something for us. So have have a look there at verse uh, 24, where it says, He answered, "I I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. See, while Jesus was on this earth, that was his mission that he was sent for. His base of operations as the promised king of Israel was Israel. Except for, you know, rare little excursions to other places like this. You know, his life and ministry was all centered on that little dot of the real estate that is the nation of Israel. See, in the history of Israel, they were, God's, they were God's original promised people, the promised people for the promised land. The nations around were very much on the outside of that. In fact, Matthew, who's recording this moment, seems to be making a special point of this because it's not just that this woman was a Gentile. Do you see what she's called in verse 22? She's not just a Gentile. She's a Canaanite. There was a particular a particular group. The thing is, Canaanites were the people group thousands of years before in the history of Israel. In the time of Abraham and Moses and David, uh, this was the local people group opposed to God and opposed to God's people. They were these sort of pagan, idol-worshipping, sexual practices against God's law. But in Jesus' day, there was no Canaan. In Jesus' day, there was actually no Canaanites. That's not how she would have been called. So it's as if Matthew is very deliberate that we're to see this woman um, as on the outside of to God's people, an enemy to God and his ways and his promises, and yet right now, she so desperately and deliberately wants Jesus. The fact that Jesus says, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel, Jesus has been clear about his current mission. Now we have to understand for Jesus, it's a matter of sequence. It's a matter of timing. After Jesus died on a cross and in power and glory, he rose again. He would say to his disciples, without qualification, 
go to the nations. I mean, like this at the end of Matthew, where it says, Therefore go, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Jesus will command that, that the good news of the kingdom of God to go all to the world without any ethnic barrier. So there will be a future time for that, that we get to participate in. But in this moment, Jesus wants all to know this woman has her own timing in mind. She wants Jesus now. And in that sense, if, if you're a Gentile, if you're a non-Jewish person, this woman is a picture of you. Yeah, she's jumping the queue, okay? She hasn't, she, this is before Jesus' death and resurrection. But she's not going to wait till Jesus' death and resurrection. She doesn't have time for that. This outsider, this enemy of God, this Gentile Canaanite wants Jesus' mercy now. This woman gets to show us what anyone with faith in Jesus gets. I'll take you to another passage in the New Testament, the, the book of Galatians, where it says this. So in Christ Jesus, all, um, you are all children of God through faith. For you all who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. This woman gets in early. It's out of sync, really, to show us that acceptance, this, that the, the place that Gentiles have with God too. I, I'm not sure how much you sort of uh, feel like you identify with this woman. You know, she's a woman. She's a mum. So, I don't know, maybe us blokes think we can't relate to this. Uh, also, she's a Canaanite, some strange ethnic group. And, and if you look in the history of Israel, they were the enemies of the people of God. But if you have your faith in Jesus, this is you. She's a picture of what God has graciously made possible for you. It was God's will for, for the message of Jesus to go to the outsider, a, a wretched sinner like you. Through faith in Jesus, we're made to be the people of God. No wonder Jesus says she has great faith. She gets in early and she shows what we get to receive as well. Here's another reason her faith is great. She comes to Jesus without any sense of entitlement. I guess it's just my fancy way of saying she's just so humble. Now let's get to the dog part. Uh, have a look at verse 25. Notice, the, first of all, the physicality of this. She, she came and she kneels before Jesus. Lord, help me. She's desperate. She's determined. And then Jesus replies, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. If you're feeling shocked by this, that's okay. Jesus is shocking. But the background to this is, again, Jesus' mission to Israel. Uh, did you know that the Bible, the Old Testament, would speak of the future messianic age where God's ruler would come and restore Israel and where blessings would flow in terms of a banquet, in terms of feasting? 
Like it says this in the prophet Isaiah. It says, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On the mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheep that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. So to be in relationship with God, to know his promised king and to have eternal blessings, here's the good news. It's not like going on a diet. It's actually feasting. It's, it's good. It's to sit at God's table and enjoy a forever feast. In fact, earlier on in Jesus' ministry, Jesus encounters someone else who actually, it's the only other time uh, Jesus says, this one has great faith. And I don't know if you remember the story, but I don't know if you remember who it is. It's also not an Israelite. It's another Gentile, a Roman soldier. But Jesus says this, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus isn't just making up some clever insult about this woman. He's alluding to this forever feast to be enjoyed by all of God's people with the arrival of the Messiah. And this feast is for all who would come to him. But there's a correct order when it comes to this feast. Uh, Jesus is not some blinkered, right-wing, nationalistic supporter of Israel. He knows they're lost. But to the Jews first, then the Gentiles, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. But you do notice her comeback, don't you? It's very cool. And when she says what she says, when she says what she says, Jesus doesn't offer any more resistance, any more instruction. She nails it. Have a look there in verse 27, where, it's, where she says, Yes, uh, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Uh, This woman is not interested in taking offense at this dog illustration. She just wants mercy from Jesus. And she's happy with this dog language because when it comes to that feast, she knows there's there's always some crumbs for what falls off the table for others. Um. Got to say, the swans have discovered the truth of this lately since our dog died last year. I mean, our kitchen floor, dining room floor has been so messy. You know, our, our hungry hound just hoovers up all the food all the time. We've actually got to sweep it up now. So for this woman, she's coming to Jesus. She's not of Israel. She's not of, on the original invitation list for this messianic eternal blessing feast. But she knows there's always something. For those who want it. You know, like dogs down underneath the table, she's happy to take the crumbs. It's pretty good crumbs, isn't it? She gets her daughter back. And Jesus speaks of her great faith. At that very moment, Jesus grants her desire and heals her daughter. Jesus doesn't touch her. Uh, This daughter is nowhere uh, near Jesus. Jesus just heals her remotely. Jesus can do that. But this woman comes humbly to Jesus. She comes with no sense of entitlement. You know, I think we know, don't we, that a sense of entitlement is actually an ugly thing. 
You know, some of you might look down on young people, you know, teenagers, because everything gets handed to them these days. Such a sense of entitlement. But then again, young people look down at middle-aged people, you know, who never are happy with an order, who, you know, who wants to talk to the manager. Such a sense of entitlement. And it can also be something with retired people. No one gets out of this, you see. You know, retirees can have this attitude, you know, they've worked so hard and there's this selfishness. No one's allowed to mess with my lifestyle. Really, a sense of entitlement is everywhere. It's proud. It's a hardness. You owe me. But with this woman, she's not declaring to Jesus, you owe me. She's humble. She has great need. And in calling out to Jesus in faith, she says, yes, I know your mission in the first place is to Israel, but you must have something for me. Be merciful to me. And, you know, there is um, having no sense of entitlement when it comes to material things. That's a beautiful thing. There's also having no sense of entitlement with spiritual things, with God. You know, here's some other moments in Matthew's gospel that I just want to tell you about or remind you about. Je- Jesus said this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Sounds like a desperate, humble, in-need Canaanite woman who came with no sense of entitlement to Jesus. Or there's this moment, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Sounds like this desperate in need Canaanite woman who came with no sense of entitlement to Jesus. Uh, Jesus said, it is not a, a ma- it's, not a, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Sounds like this desperate, humble, in need Canaanite woman who came with no sense of entitlement to Jesus. See, we will get nowhere with God if we take the approach of sort of we can march up to the table and say of God, you know, feed me. You know, if, I, if I'm, you know, I'm going to do this religious thing, God, you've got to prove yourself to me. We'll get nowhere with God if we take this approach of I'll do this religious thing as long as it makes me happier, as long as it makes my life easier and better. This is not the way with the Lord. It has come to Jesus humbly, without pretense, without a sense of deserving, with an attitude of, without an attitude of, you owe me. That you would come to Jesus knowing you're a sinner. You and I are sinners before a holy God, sinners before the cross of Jesus, where the reality of our sin is laid bare, that we want mercy. Is that you? Is that your experience with God? If you're a Christian, if you have true faith in Jesus, then this Canaanite woman is like you. It's an incredible bit of interaction, is it, between Jesus and this woman. Uh, There's shock value with what Jesus says. Rude Jesus, we might say. But in his silence and in his words, Jesus is working with her. He's, He's not dismissing her. Uh, he's, he's drawing out a response from her. He's dealing with her. Uh, and he's, the response is one of impressive faith. And she gets pretty good crumbs, doesn't she? Uh, don't let the shock value of what Jesus is saying get in the way of what Jesus is saying. 
The dog thing is about timing. It's about priority that was right then in Jesus' ministry. And I actually want to go back to the Galatians passage uh, I put up before. Perhaps you missed something. But this Canaanite of impressive faith is not a dog. What is she? What are we? Through faith in Jesus. It says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there's male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. If we're in Jesus, none of us anymore are under the table accepting the scraps. We've been promoted. We're God's children. We have a seat at the table. We get to enjoy the feast of God's blessing and all the privileges of being children of the King. I just want to end by saying something to two types of people who will be here today. Firstly, for those here today and you're somewhere on this journey of coming or checking out Christian things, then like this woman, come to Jesus, come to God in prayer without any entitlement. You have nothing to prove. There is nothing you can prove. You have nothing to offer. You're just a sinner. You're a rebel to the core, an enemy of God in need of help. So call out to Jesus for help. Call out to Jesus for mercy. Call out to Jesus who died for your sin, the risen King. And Jesus is compassionate and kind. God is a God of mercy. And if that's your desire, you will be made a treasured child of the King, seated forever at the King's table. And then for the other type of person here, the already Christian, uh, whether you're, I don't know, whether you're, whether you, whether you grew up in a Christian home, you've got a church upbringing, or you don't have that background, but you're a Christian now. Uh, You'll have already put your trust in Jesus. But I just want to say, keep checking your heart. Because as time goes on, we can so easily start to feel a little bit entitled, proud, as if God owes you. You know, as a Christian, that sense of entitlement can come from all sorts of places. The fact that you're a church-going person, the fact that you serve lots and you give a lot of your time and effort to church, Or you're better than your brother who's made a mess of his life. You're better than those other girls, that youth. Um, Sense of entitlement can come from, I had a tough upbringing, but I managed to pull my life together. There's a sense of entitlement that can come from suffering. You know, that the trials that you've endured in your life means you deserve a decent go from God. Pride can creep in in all sorts of ways. That's not this woman's faith. And this is not Christian faith. Christian, remember who you are. You're someone who has nothing to offer, never has, and never will. But you can keep rejoicing in Jesus. You can keep rejoicing that Jesus went to the cross for you. You can rejoice in the truth that you have a seat at the table. The feast of fellowship and love and abundance and eternal blessing is yours. Because Jesus is your king. 
who supplied you with help and mercy, the help and mercy that you need. And isn't that wonderful? Let's, let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for King Jesus, the Lord, the Son of David. Thank you so much that he is the one who has never turned away those in desperate need. Thank you that you are the one who has never turned us away. And so, Father, help us to realise who you are. Uh, May we come to you with our desperate need. Uh, May we realise and may we, each person in this room, know Jesus as King, Jesus as their merciful Saviour, and that we might keep coming to Jesus with humility, with no sense of entitlement. May we simply rejoice in what Christ has done for us. And in his name we pray. Amen.